0: Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the Bedigal people whose land UNSW resides on. I pay my respects to Elders past and present and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people watching along with us today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Tea and Talk. Tea and Talk is our chance to talk about what wellness means for university students. Every episode, we'll be exploring the bitter, the sweet and all the flavours in between of mental health, all of a cup of tea in hand. So grab a cup of let's get cosy and let's chat. I'm Isabelle, the 2021 Wellness Coordinator at ARC. My preferred pronouns are she and her. And today I am drinking a green tea. So today I'm joined by Katie. Um, Could you please go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your pronouns, what you do, and also what's in your cup today?
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Iz. Um, I'd also just like to do an Acknowledgement to Country. Um, The land that I'm speaking to you from today is the land of the Gadigal people of the ARA nation. So I'd like to pay respects to Elders past, present, emerging and any Aboriginal people that might be listening there today. Um, My name's Katie. I'm a clinical psychologist and I work at St Vincent's Hospital um, in a team called CRUFAD, which stands for Clinical Research Unit for Anxiety and Depression. And part of that team um, also involves a program called This Way Up, which I'll be able to talk to you about today. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and as always, I'm drinking some coffee in the morning to get me started.
0: Good way to get started. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That caffeine hit, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. very much needed. Um, so we'd just like to start off by checking in. So how are you doing today?
1: Um, I'm actually doing quite well. I had a little bit of time off last week so I spent some time with family and yeah I'm feeling feeling quite rested and once I finish this cup of coffee I will be feeling energized as well.
0: (laughs) That's so great. Did you go anywhere or did you just like
1: hang out? Yeah my family live a few hours north in Newcastle so I was up there visiting
0: Oh that's so great my sister lives in Newcastle and it's just so nice to be there it's that slower pace of life.
1: Yes exactly it's quite relaxed it feels like everything slows down yeah easy to get to the beach you don't have to fight for parking quite as much.
0: (laughs) Yeah definitely and also spending time with family is always nice.
1: How are you doing? How are you this morning?
0: yeah i'm good um so last week it, we had stress last week so i was doing a lot of work so this week i'm trying to just take it a bit easy you uh, know, dial it back a little bit and just focus on uni um yeah. so it's been a very chill week so far which
1: is nice, nice. to hear sounds like stress <laughs> less week was probably stress more week for the people that had to yeah. organize
0: <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. but it was really nice to see everyone enjoying themselves and like just not even just participating for the sake of participating, but also participating because they care about mental health and like general wellness, which is really nice. So um, you mentioned This Way Up. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role and also like how that fits within This Way Up and what you guys do on a more overarching sense?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So This Way Up is a digital mental health program Um, that provides online interventions based in, I guess, a CBT framework, which I can talk a little bit more about later if that's helpful, but basically it's um, an online resource that provides um, practical skills and support for people either to help generally with well-being, so things like um, sleeping difficulties, just like you were talking about with stress last week. um, We've got some skills for coping with stress, um, student wellbeing, and then we've also got more targeted, I guess, mental health interventions for things like anxiety and depression. So it's kind of like online therapy in a way um, Mm. where you're guided through um, practical skills that are gonna help with unhelpful thoughts and unhelpful kind of behaviors to help you to feel a bit better.
0: Great. So within that, is your role to administer this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So I've just kind of told you broadly what it is. Um, My role as a clinical psychologist on the team is quite varied. Um, So there'll be some clients that I have that are working through their courses on this way up and I'm supervising them. So kind of check in with them either during weekly sessions or on the phone. Um, I'm also kind of helping as one member of many of us in the team that help create and update some of the content for the online courses. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my role, I'm also providing some clinician-to-clinician support. So if there's other, you know, GPs, therapists, social workers, psychologists out there um, that want to learn more about how to use this way up and, like, how they might be able to recommend it to people, that kind of thing. And my role is also to help um, guide them and answer their questions. So it's, yeah, I really like it because it's quite varied.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um when you mentioned courses, so is it like, this is an online module and you complete this module and you do the little tasks and that's how the therapy is administered or is it something else?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's such a good question, um, <clears throat> pardon me. So one of the best things to do, I guess, is to have a look, like I can explain it as best I can, but I think for people to understand it, having a look through the website, like it's nice and interactive, um, can help you to feel a bit more comfortable with it. But yes, that's exactly right. So our courses, um, they all range, I think the shortest ones, there's about four little modules or lessons. So if you decided to do a course, you would sign up, it only takes a few moments using your email and your name. Um, and then it's kind of like slides on a screen where there's going to be um, a characters that guide you through a journey. So say if you're wanting some support with anxiety, there's going to be, say, a therapist or a doctor that's helping kind of give you some information about that difficulty and how to overcome it but also um, characters through the lesson that are themselves experiencing anxiety or depression. And you can kind of go along their journey too. Um, Each module has some practical skills in it. And then you complete the module and there's some kind of downloadable um, practice worksheets and that kind of thing, um, which if you like rehearsing between the modules, which is what we really recommend, it can be quite helpful that way too.
0: Cool. Oh. so it's a sort of general approach, I guess, when it comes to this stuff. It's not personalised per person. Um, but I, I know that there's, like, obviously a lot of science behind it. So can you explain, like, why this general
1: approach works? Yeah, definitely. A very good question, too, because I think some people can be, you know, just not, not aware or haven't used this kind of thing before and um, would have questions around that. So I'm glad you asked. I guess um, there is, we have done a lot and a lot of research behind these courses and you know one really important thing is they're not, they're not designed I guess to replace anything um, and I think the best thing is finding something that fits for you. So online interventions for some people that's all they might need and that can be really helpful. Um, The reason we know that they're effective is they're all based on evidence. It's all evidence-based practice. So um, the types of skills that people would learn through doing it this way, of course, are based in cognitive behaviour therapy. um, Or you might have heard of CBT, which I guess cognitive, that stands for our cognitions or our thoughts. Behavioural is our behaviours, so our actions and the things that we do and T for therapy. So all the skills that you're going to learn a bit around, I guess, um, you know, ways to identify how thoughts might be getting in the way of how you're feeling and how to kind of um, challenge those or change your relationship a bit to your thoughts and also behaviors that are kind of maintaining either that feeling of being really low in your mood or a lot of that stress and worry and anxiety. So yeah, I think that seeing a therapist face-to-face can also be really important for some people. The really cool thing though about the courses is they can be used flexibly. So um, you can kind of do it, self-help yourself and log in and see how that feels. You can um, be supervised by a clinician. So that might be your GP or that might be a counsellor where you have sessions with them either through telehealth or face-to-face and then you're doing your lessons kind of as a bit of a booster or alongside um, so it can be used really flexibly. Um, one of the other things that we know really helps with the courses is um, there's so many I guess there's so many strengths to face-to-face therapy but there are also strengths to online and the reason we find it is helpful is it kind of breaks down for some people, a bit of that stigma of going to ask for help. Um, it's a way of kind of reducing that barrier. It's also um, a lot of the courses are free or they're quite reduced cost compared to face-to-face therapy. And I think the main thing is it's really hard to access therapy in a, you know, often there's long like wait lists, or if people are living in more rural and remote areas. All that someone needs, I guess, is their smartphone or internet connection and a laptop, and they can kind of learn these evidence-based skills and and see how that feels and maybe go from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is a super versatile thing. And I think having an accessible form of therapy that, well, like learning skills that will help you deal with these things um, is really, really important. And by making it more accessible, you're providing that sort of first step for a lot of people
1: who might not otherwise seek any help at all. Exactly, yeah. So we're just wanting to, I guess, um, not replace anything, but add another tool into the mix and hopefully make treatment and mental health support and also just general wellbeing support available to more people.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So just talking a bit about youth in particular, I guess, um, why did you decide to pursue a career in clinical psychology?
1: Yeah, I think that is a great question, and probably not one that I can I, probably not one I can answer that easily. To be honest, um, yeah. I think you know why do any of us choose a particular path? I think there's so many different things that came into play. I guess the main ones being um, probably like high schoolish time. I um, started to get more and more driven by you know you're starting to think about. Um, you're wanting to go to university like what am I interested in what would I like to study and um, I think like lots of people I've always been really curious and really interested in you know why we do the things we do um, how we differ why that is um, relationships all that kind of stuff I've just always loved that and been curious about it Um, so I decided that I wanted to work with people and kind of something in healthcare, and the more that I learned about mental health I just became more and more interested in psychology um, and then I guess it was through um, my first year or so at uni when I was more around people with similar interests and studying and learning more about what psychology actually was all about um, that I kind of had more of a serious think about careers and I'd say the reason why I landed with clinical psychology is it's kind of this cool mix between science and a bit of art or a bit of creativity. Yeah. Um, I've always liked both of those things. And so clinical psychology, you get to do, you know, lots of research and um, the interventions that you're doing are based in science and are based in evidence. But, of course, then I guess the more um, creative or kind of um maybe magical is too big of a word, but I guess this other like artistic creative side is, you know, um, everyone is unique and understanding the unique parts to a person and the therapeutic relationship. And I guess those two things mixed together. um, It just felt like a really good fit for me. And so far, so good. I'm really enjoying it.
0: That's great to hear. So Um, What are some standout memories um, for you from your experience of being a student? Uh, Lots, I would say. Um, Maybe like one uh, good and one like bad.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, One good, there's lots of good. I would say just kind of the first time you make a friend at university. Um, I moved from a different city to Sydney to study and, you know, it's quite overwhelming. You don't really know that many people. And the, uh, I met my my best friend at uni, so I guess like sitting down in that lecture theatre, um, building a bit of a connection and a friendship and then I guess, yeah, the social side, the friendships that you make would be one of the um one of the great positives and the happiest memories that I have about uni yeah um and bad oh I think it's just such a stressful time yeah Um, I think often when you're a student you're not just a student you're having to juggle so many other things in your life you're you might be working um you might be trying to do, get like, get some work experience and also fit in, like, unpaid volunteering. Um, you're also trying to just enjoy yourself and meet new people. So I think just the stress of um, keeping up with all those different demands and trying to do well at university as well, like, it's definitely a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially if you're doing, like, clinical psychology um, because I, like, looked into this um, for myself and it's really, really competitive. Um, and I think like I've spoken to quite a few people who are like oh like I want to do this thing but it's super competitive and Mm -hmm. then you get stressed about something that's going to happen like three years away because you know you apply for masters (laughs) ages it's not even supposed to be like something that you're considering all the time but you get stressed with the concept of like oh like I need to do well because then I need to get in to this course and if I don't get in, then I can't do this thing. yeah
1: it's hard to stay like in the present when you have to feel like I've got to be planning ahead and trying to keep yeah. up and make my marks good. I completely empathize with that. Um, I guess I would say just briefly though, if it's something you want to do, it's, it's worth it. And um, there's ways to balance it out a bit. Like I took a year off to try and um, yeah take a breather and have more time to do like a bit of the work experience stuff so happy to chat about that later yep. if you want.
0: All right <laughs> great to hear. Um, so most of us um, are approaching exam time it's week nine so exams are in like three weeks now yeah. um, and you know this is a time of the term where things can start to feel quite overwhelming for students mm. uh we wanted to dive a little bit into the chat about like low mood feeling down and when these experiences might stop being oh i'm feeling bad today and turn into potentially an indication of depression mm. um, or anxiety so could you explain to us like what are the clinical definitions for depression um, and also anxiety and how does this differ from just feeling anxious or having a low mood or generally just feeling a little bit hopeless about your future?
1: Yeah. Um, Really good question. And I think the first thing that I would say is it's really understandable to be having some of those feelings um, when things are getting stressful. So it's really understandable to feel overwhelmed, to feel, Stressed, um, maybe to feel like you don't have as much time in your day. It's harder to fit in the things that you would like to fit in because you're studying. Um, I think just understanding that that is a a very understandable and a kind of um, shared experience, probably for most of the university at the moment. There's something in that. I think just remembering, okay, my friends are going through this too. My classmates are going through this too, and it will come to an end, the exams will finish. Um, I know that that is easier said than done when when it's not happening to me, but it will, you will get through it. Um, But I do think it's important to pay attention to those feelings or those thoughts or changes in like the things that you're doing in your routine um, and really think about uh, is this kind of just a passing stress with exams or is this something Um, A bit more serious that I'd like to kind of take action on. So with depression, I guess um, the clinical definition for depression, when it reaches that clinical threshold, is really about how how much it's impairing your ability to do the things you need or want to do. Um, It's called, I guess, functional impairment. So if I'm just not functioning as I usually can, Signs for that would be around depression we're thinking of my mood is a bit is quite a bit lower I might be having feelings of hopelessness, sleep can often get affected either I'm sleeping way too much or I'm not really sleeping at all, or I'm having trouble waking and falling asleep throughout the night. Um, Our Appetite can change again both ways either I'm eating a lot more than I usually do or I'm just not hungry. Um, We might have trouble concentrating, feel angry, feel irritable um, and not enjoy the things that we used to enjoy. That's a really big one. So, um, you know, if you're someone that usually loves catching up with your friends on a Saturday night and going out for dinner, but lately you've been doing that and it's just not bringing you joy or happiness, that's a good warning sign. Um, and of course, also with depression, people can sometimes experience thoughts around hurting themselves or suicidal kind of thoughts. Um, I would say, if you're having any of those thoughts, it's really important and essential to get some support. I would also say, though, that you don't have to wait until things get really bad and sort of, oh, okay, I now have all of those symptoms. Now I need to get help. It's actually um better and more important to kind of if you notice you're feeling a bit of a funk um that's a good time to do something about it so it might just be actively trying to do more of the things that you know help you feel good um you know exercising a little bit talking to your friends taking study breaks is really important to actually help you study that kind of stuff um And you asked as well about anxiety, is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess as well, when I would say someone's developed like a clinical level of anxiety, it's when it's getting in the way of them being able to function as they usually would or as they would like to, doing the things that they need to do, looking after themselves, um, engaging in things that they enjoy or work or study, that sort of stuff. So... Anxiety is more around um, it can be experienced quite differently by different people, and there's lots of different types of anxiety. Um, Usually for most people, it's a bit of a combination of three different things. One is going to be the physical feelings that we have in our body. So um, really common experiences are, you know, sweaty, just temperature changes, either hot or cold, clammy kind of hands. Um, tightness in our chest or difficulties breathing. People might have panic attacks, um, dizziness, a bit of nausea or kind of butterflies in the stomach. There's also going to be a whole range of stuff going on up here in terms of worries and ruminating about um, either the past or the future, worrying about kind of the worst-case scenario happening, um, feeling like everyone's judging me, feeling like... um, with all of those I guess physical feelings and thoughts um, people are going to try and cope with it and often that might come around in terms of trying to avoid or getting away from the thing or the situation or the people that you feel are causing that feeling so it might be um you know if I'm getting really stressed out in social situations I'm then going to start withdrawing and that can then affect mood or um if people might get quite panicked on public transport, it's going to be then avoiding doing that. So that's when you can see kind of how those behaviours and those thoughts can really impair how people are able to go about their day. Yeah. That's a lot of information, but I hope that, <laughs> I hope that spiel was helpful.
0: No, that was very helpful. Um, so what would be the clinical process um, following a diagnosis of either of these?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I get, so like sort of they've seen a health professional who's diagnosed anxiety or depression. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, there's not necessarily one size fits all. So it's tricky to kind of say it would definitely be this process or this trajectory. Um, The best advice I'd have is that person who's given you that diagnosis who is a a mental health professional, should be able to help work with the person on what they would like next. Um, Cognitive behavior therapy, I guess, for, you know, mild to moderate to severe anxiety or depression is sort of that um, evidence-based treatment. So the one that we know is most effective for the majority of people. Um, Medication is also an option that um, a lot of people find helpful. Again, really important to talk to a doctor about this. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't have medical training. Um, my knowledge is more around the therapy and kind of the CBT side of things. But the process would probably be um, one of the most standard processes would be, okay, I've noticed I'm feeling not well. Something has changed. Might be my mood. It might be more anxiety and my sleep's out of whack. Um, I might then chat with a friend or someone that I trust about what should I do about this. And um, if you're uh, able to access Medicare in Australia, um, you can visit your GP who can then give you a mental health care plan. And then you could book in to see a mental health clinician for some cognitive behaviour therapy or perhaps a different type of therapy, um, depending on your individual situation. That's one pathway. And I guess that tends to be the most standard one. Um, But there are lots of other options. So it might be around trialing some medication to see if that's helping with how you feel. Um, It might be kind of changing a few lifestyle habits to see if that's improving things. Um, It could also be trying an online evidence-based course, something like This Way Up. Um, But I think there's no one-size-fits-all and it's got to be what's right for that for that person and also what is realistic um, to do in in their lifestyle.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is there any differences in the processes if you were to go to a GP versus a psychologist versus a psychiatrist?
1: Yeah, so um, again, I guess it just depends um, what the person's individual needs might be. So a GP, a general practitioner, they've got medical training, Um, They're going to be, I guess, they're a really helpful base. Um, If you're wanting more tailored mental health support, you're probably going to want to link in with um, a mental health clinician. So that might be um, a psychologist, uh, that might be a social worker, that might be a counsellor or a psychiatrist. The GP can kind of, um, they're like your base and they can link you in with lots of other people. The GP though can also help prescribe medication to you. And if they've got um, experience with mental health, they might be able to say recommend an online course, um, recommend a therapist, recommend a support group. So there are lots of options and that's a good good place to start, but it doesn't have to be where you start. Um, You can also go, I guess, more directly to say a psychologist. When you go to a psychologist, So they don't have medical training, but they've been trained in talk therapy. So what you can expect in seeing a psychologist is going to be, um, yeah, kind of conversational, like how you and I are talking. Um, They're going to ask you questions about how you've been feeling, what you've been struggling with. And then together you come up with a treatment plan, which is kind of guided by their knowledge and their expertise and your own expertise of your individual self and your situation, you kind of come together and create a treatment plan. A psychiatrist, um, they have a medical degree and medical training, but they've also then gone on to do specialisation in psychiatry. So a psychiatrist can prescribe medication. I guess their area of expertise is mental health. Um, They may also have a lot of training in certain therapies. It can be quite diverse um, depending on the individual's training, but usually a psychiatrist, they're always going to have had some experience with therapy and quite a bit of experience with medication and kind of specialising in getting the right medication for someone with mental health difficulties. Amazing. Thank you for breaking that down. No, it's really, it's quite confusing. And, I mean, the name's almost exactly the same, psychologist, psychiatrist. So just remember psychologist, talk therapy, psychiatrist could be talk therapy or medication or just medication. Yeah, so a bit of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So is it possible to feel low
0: or helpless without having depression?
1: Definitely. Um, I think, you know, with all all of our emotions and all of these um, mental health challenges, I like to think of it kind of on a continuum or a scale where, you know, feeling really good over here, feeling terrible over here. And it's normal for us to kind of fluctuate at different points in our life along that continuum. Or even throughout the day, we might sort of, um, you know, this morning hadn't had my coffee early enough. So I wake up feeling a little bit out of reach, but that is very different to you know, feeling clinically depressed and having really serious low mood. Um, It's totally normal though to have periods of time where we're feeling more low and usually this is around um, something that we can kind of attribute it to. So, um, you know, if if someone's gone through a breakup, if someone is under a lot of pressure at university or work, Um, There might be some family stress going on. So usually there's kind of, you know, I'm feeling this way because of this thing. Um, That can also lead when those emotions don't change and when they persist, that can also lead to depression. Um, But sometimes depression can feel a bit more out of the blue. Yeah. But I would say um, if you notice yourself feeling low or feeling hopeless, It's okay, Uh, we all feel that way sometimes. Um, Try and kind of just check in with yourself. If you feel comfortable to talk to someone that you trust like a friend or family member about how you're feeling, Um, you guys might be able to figure it out a bit together and sometimes just kind of verbalizing that helps to feel better. Um, Check in, make sure that you're kind of doing the, the basic things to look after yourself, like getting enough sleep, eating kind of balanced foods, I don't mean to say we all have to exercise and be marathon runners, but, you know, having nice short walks and breaks and, like, seeing the sunshine, try and change a few of these lifestyle factors if you can because not doing those things makes us more vulnerable to these difficult kind of emotions. Um, and if if that stuff's not working, it's it's never too early to kind of say, hmm, I think I might need a bit of, professional support with this, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are some indicators that someone might be experiencing depression? So, you know, how can friends look out for their mates and be like, oh, I think you might be going through something? Hmm.
1: Yeah, um, really good question. I think um, it's, it can be a tricky one because we all deal with our emotions and like our internal worlds differently. Um, and sometimes it might seem really clear that someone's, um, you know, much more withdrawn. Um, you can just kind of see on their face, they're looking down, they're looking. Um, there's just, there's not as much joy there. They're not smiling as much as they used to. Um, but other people um, are feeling quite miserable inside, but the exterior is very positive. Um, this is a way a lot of us might cope. That's, that's really common too. Um, I suppose um, to support someone the best that we can do is let them know we're here for them if they want to talk to us they can Um, but things to look out for I guess would be yeah changes and if it's someone that you know and you know that they um, you know it's been a little while and significant habits have changed like um, you might notice Every time you see them, they just are exhausted. They haven't been sleeping well. Um, They might be partying a lot more than usual. Again, I'm not saying that 100% indicates depression. They might just be having a good time. But big kind of changes in their mood, in how much they are kind of interacting with you. Um, They might be some warning signs. But I also think it's really important to... Uh, approach these things you know gently with other people there might be something going on that that you just don't know about so approaching it gently you know hey I've noticed I've noticed this change lately are you okay how are you doing Um, and then you can just let the person know if you are ever having a hard time or if you ever want to talk about it you can talk to me if you feel comfortable doing that if they're then asking for support but you feel um sometimes it can also be quite intense and quite a lot of responsibility to take that on Um, so you can always let them know that you care about them you're there for them and you're happy to help them find some support if they'd like your help yeah yeah
0: definitely and it's also important not to diagnose people um especially (laughs) because (laughs) you know most of us aren't trained professionals um so It can also be alienating if you're like, oh, I think you've got depression. Um, Yes. Are you okay? And they're just
1: like, oh, I'm actually just having a hard week and like I've got a lot going on and I had a really bad sleep last night, but I'm okay, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. And if they did have depression, going in like that can make it difficult for them to open up um, to you. So hot tip, I guess. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Curiosity, like... Curiosity and respect um, are helpful, and I think it's fine to ask if someone's alright. Um, but yes, I think diagnosing just is uh, can be unhelpful and opens up a whole can of worms.
0: Definitely. Um, so, at what point should someone reach out for support if they are experiencing low mood and feeling down?
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I think I may have touched on this before, but I personally don't think um, there is any particular specific time. I think that it's never... um, There can be a lot of stigma often around mental health. People may feel like, um, oh, it's not bad enough. I don't want to, you know, waste the... I don't want to waste the counsellor or the psychologist's time. Um, Other people have bigger problems than me. I should just get over this. These are really common um, thoughts for people that might be experiencing some symptoms of anxiety or depression. So I would say it's never too early to get some support. Um, and support doesn't have to be just for a person that might have a clinical level of depression or anxiety. It can also help to just improve your general well-being and how you're feeling day to day and your emotional health. Um, I would say, though, it's really important to seek support if you notice that kind of functional impairment I was talking about before. So it's a bit of a clinical jargon, but what I mean by that is you feel like it's harder to do the things that you need and want to do. You know, it's really getting in the way of you feeling motivated and able to get up in the morning. It's really getting in the way of feeling like um I can see my friends or I can focus on my studies or I can um get out of the house and do what I want to enjoy at that point it's really important to get some support but I would say never too never too early
0: yeah definitely I think even if you're complete like if you don't have any actual clinical issues um you know, going to someone can be a form of preventative care. Um, it can ensure that you're not going to fall into uh, negative thought spirals um, when things do get tough because you've learnt the skills that can prevent those from happening and you've learned to, to look out for the warning signs um, and it creates just this personal self-awareness about how you're going mentally. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, how can this way up help someone experiencing, um, you know, low mood, feeling down?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I really do believe it can help people, and I've seen it help lots of people. Um, what you can expect through this way up is really um, practical kind of skills. So if you're if you're feeling okay, I've noticed these changes. I'm motivated to kind of understand them a bit more, like understand why this is happening, like what is going on, um, and then to kind of learn different ways of coping with those physical feelings or those really um, critical, unhelpful kind of thoughts. This way up can be really helpful. You're going to learn, I guess, the skills that um, if you're seeing a therapist for CBT, you're going to learn those core practical skills Um, it can be quite helpful if you've got a busy lifestyle going on to just know, okay, I'm logging into my module, um, I'm setting aside an hour on this day to do it. I can flexibly do that, you know, in the morning before uni or work or in the evening at like 9 o'clock when I know that I have a little bit of me time. Um, So it can help because it is going to teach that person the skills that they need to improve how they're feeling? Yeah. Does that kind of answer the question? I can go a bit more into the skills if that's helpful. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, those kind of three different parts that I talked about before, say with anxiety, they're also present for when we're stressed or when um, our mood is low. Um, There's going to be physical sensations or physical symptoms there's going to be those unhelpful thoughts and there's going to be behaviors. So, through this way up, you're going to learn um, a lot of what's called psychoeducation, which is sort of like information about um, anxiety or depression or stress. Um, one of the courses that we have that's free is our student well being course, which also teaches these CBT skills, but it's going to be around. Um, those same three kinds of modules. So if you're dealing with a lot of physical anxiety and stress and worry, you might learn some really helpful controlled breathing exercises that are gonna help if you practice it enough, kind of bring that baseline anxiety down to just more of a relaxed kind of feeling. if you're finding it's more around the worries and the thoughts that keep getting in the way of, I keep going back to this thing that I'm worried about, I keep going back to this thing, or every time I have a social event coming up, I ruminate on it and I just feel sick and I'm, I'm dreading that. There's some helpful, really helpful skills that you'll learn about how to kind of take those thoughts, get them out of your mind onto paper and really question them, question if they're helpful question if they're true, um, and help you kind of see things in a bit more of a balanced way. Um, it's not about positive thinking and only thinking about good things. It's more about um, questioning our thoughts and questioning if they're helpful and having being realistic and more balanced about them, which is easier said than done, but it's definitely a skill that we can all learn with practice. Yeah
0: amazing um so for people um seeking uh, wanting to seek support it can be quite intimidating especially if it's the mm-hmm. first time that they've sort of considered it in their lives um mm-hmm. can you walk us through step by step the process of someone you know booking an appointment in with a psychologist i know we've spoken a tiny bit about this earlier but if we could just expand yeah. a bit more about
1: that totally no problem um i definitely appreciate it can be overwhelming I think it's it's almost always overwhelming the first time someone's you know well it's a process of being vulnerable and talking about some of the things that are most difficult in our lives and often that's not a conversation that many people have with anyone in their lives so totally appreciate the overwhelm and the intimidation that some people might feel Um, I do think the main thing to know about that is it's so normal to feel that way. Um, It's so, so normal and it's so understandable. And um, just to reassure people, I guess, that if they're talking to someone who's a mental health clinician, they are going to know that and they're going to appreciate that when you're coming in, when you're calling them up on the phone to book in for an appointment or when you're sitting in the waiting room and that kind of thing. Um, They they are aware and their job is to help make you comfortable so to remind yourself that is the psychologist's job is to kind of explain this process to me and to help me feel a bit more comfortable even though you know I kind of don't I feel pretty nervous um I guess like a lot of our anxiety and our fears though um they rise but then when we face that situation they tend to fall So you might expect to feel quite nervous initially in the session or in the appointment but it's pretty likely that 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 anxiety is going to come down over time. Um, In terms of the process uh, it can be quite varied. Um, If it's with a psychologist uh, the person might depending on their needs they might want to do phone sessions, they might want to do telehealth sessions, that was a quite a big change during COVID last year when a lot of things had to shift to telehealth Um, or they might prefer face-to-face sessions with the clinician. Um, In that first appointment, I think it's kind of, it's a a two-way street. You're both kind of getting to know each other and the psychologist's role is to um, help kind of normalise how you might be feeling nervous about the appointment. Um, You can expect, though, that they will ask you quite a few questions. And that's not to judge you. That's to get an understanding of what's going on. What are your concerns? Um, They might ask if you've had similar kind of difficulties in the past. They might ask more tailored questions around, you know, the types of thoughts, feelings that you're having. Um, And then together you'll probably come up with a bit of a plan based on your goals, like what you want to try and get out of therapy, Um, how you'd like things to be different. Um, Yeah, I think that's the main thing to expect. Yeah. Because I guess the other thing just in terms of the process is, again, um, if you're wanting to use a mental health care plan, you've kind of got to start with your local doctor or your GP. Um, They then link you in with a referral to someone. But you don't have to have that. You can see um, a mental health clinician, I guess, privately as well, kind of by calling them up or contacting the clinic. Um, last thing I'd mention is I guess it's also uh, an opportunity for you to see if you feel comfortable talking to this clinician. So it's really important to find, like, a good fit, someone that you feel comfortable talking to, um, someone you feel you can be quite open and honest with. So it's an opportunity for the clinician to ask you questions, but it's also an opportunity for you to feel um, to kind of ask yourself do I feel good about this like do I kind of click a bit with this clinician um, yeah yeah
0: and so much of talk therapy is about opening up and being really honest about what's going on inside so if you can't feel like you can be honest and vulnerable and share those things you're not going to be able to get as much out of the experience as yeah like someone who does allow you to open up
1: yeah yeah I agree. It's so important to feel comfortable and it, it might take you a couple of sessions with that person to settle into that and that's normal. Um, but I think, yeah, keep open to the, to the idea that it might, it might mean you meet a couple of different clinicians until you feel you find the right fit and that's okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so there is a lot of stigma attached to reaching out for support about mental health in general do you think this is changing slightly? Do you think people are more open to seeking out support with it when it comes to mental health?
1: Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, I do think so. I think there's there's research indicating that there's a lot more mental health awareness and I guess more people um, are identifying in themselves some of these difficulties. Like I said, they're just so common. Um, I guess I think the current statistics are, you know, one in five Australians are going to experience, um, say, depression or anxiety throughout their lifetime. And I guess that, that research is based on um, the people that are kind of putting their hands up and saying, yep, I've had this experience. So it's probably more than that. Um, I think there's been some great kind of campaigns by um, one that comes to mind is Beyond Blue. They had a while ago, I'm remembering in like toilets and bathrooms, a lot of awareness around anxiety. I think people just talk about it more now as well. Um, It's a bit more common for, you know, within um, friendship circles for these things to be alluded to or discussed. Um, Parts of social media have raised a bit more awareness and I I do think that the stigma is reducing. I certainly think it's still there, unfortunately. Um, That's why I love having conversations like this because, you know, it's our little part that we can do to try and break it down as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Having open conversations about it definitely helps people recognise it with themselves and also be like, it's okay to talk about this stuff.
1: Yep, yep, definitely.
0: So what are some suggestions you have for anyone listening who might be feeling low or overwhelmed about study or life in general?
1: Yeah, Uh, I would say I'm so happy that you're listening to this because it means that you're kind of um, aware of what might be going on, aware of the stress, aware of the overwhelm. And I would say um, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's so important. It's okay, and it's It's normal to feel overwhelmed at times. It's normal to feel um, overwhelmed by the future. Um, Uncertainty can be a scary thing. At the same time, I'd really like to encourage anyone listening today who's struggling either with stress or sleep or worry or low mood that you don't have to be alone in that feeling. Um, Lots of people have, whilst your experience is your own and is unique and no one is you, um, these are common difficulties that people have, but they are also very, um, you can overcome them. They are treatable and I would encourage people if they're feeling stuck or alone with any of those kind of challenges to try, if they can, to open up about it with someone that they trust. Um, and if not, you don't have to, but there are there is support out there that doesn't require you to open up. One of those options is, is this way up. Um, if you choose to do a course through this way up, you can know that you're learning evidence-based skills that are actually, you know, it's very likely that they're going to help improve how you're feeling pretty quickly. Um, but I would also really encourage you, if you feel more comfortable, to talk to um, you know, it might be the university counselling service. It might be calling um, a helpline. It might be talking to a friend. Whoever it is you feel comfortable talking to, I'd encourage you to do that.
0: Yeah, amazing. And what is one piece of advice you can share with students in particular? Just
1: general. I'm hmm. um, thinking back to when I was a student. I would say, this is still relevant as well when I'm not a student, but I would say the the most important advice I would have is try, without overwhelming yourself, try and still prioritise and make time for the thing or things in your life that are outside of university. So like being a student is amazing and there's a lot of great things that come along with that. Um, but sometimes it means we might leave behind the things that we really love or really enjoy. This doesn't have to be anything big. This might be like you really like doing watercolours or you really like baking or um, whatever it is. I think try and just make time each week to do the thing that you really like doing. Um, Have something going on that's not study-related that kind of brings you a bit of happiness. That
0: would be my advice. Oh, that's lovely. Um, we have this saying at the Wellness Warriors that goes, "You can't pour from an empty cup," which essentially means when the going go, when you're having a rough go, your ability to get through daily life is diminished, and you need to look after yourself. Essentially, uh, what do you do to fill your cup?
1: Hmm, lots of different things. Um, I would say. If I'm feeling like overwhelmed, then one of the best things for me is to be near the ocean, like either to just go to the beach and be near the water or float in the ocean, go for a swim. This one's probably not so much if I'm feeling overwhelmed, but my favorite kind of stress relief would be going to karaoke with my friends. Oh, I get so good. And it does fill my cup. <laughs> I just feel like, yes. Ready, ready
0: for life. So underrated as a self-care. Very cathartic. <laughs> Definitely, when you're shouting out Taylor Swift lyrics, exactly. nothing can be wrong in life. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. to close off, was there anything that you wanted to plug? Um, direct listeners towards. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Look, I think. Main thing, I know I've said this before, but find whatever works for you. Um, That is going to be different for each person. If that's more time socialising, if that's more time kind of on your own, reading books or listening to podcasts or whatever it is, um, or if that is some sort of intervention and therapy, um, I would encourage people to try that out if it's going to be online or if it's face-to-face. I did kind of just want to let people know um, a little bit more about the This Way Up courses. Um, I'll just quickly mention there's uh, a few different types of courses but we've got four well-being courses and they're all totally free. You can access them anytime um, and one of those is our student well-being course which is going to really help with kind of relaxation skills, managing stress and any of those kind of worries and procrastination that can I guess take away from your cup when you're studying and I think um, anyone listening that's interested in learning some well-being tips for uni stress that's a really good one to start with
0: amazing and people can find that just by googling
1: this way up yeah this way up so three words um thiswayup.org I'll have to double check that um, let me do that right now Thiswayup.org.au. Um, have a look through the website. Um, there's also, you know, there's lots of other really helpful apps, uh, meditation apps. Um, yeah, just get online and have a look at what's available, but find what works for you. If that's face to face, if that's online, if that's more of the hobbies that you've stopped doing, um, whatever works for you is great.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining us for today's episode of Tea and Talk. And thanks to all of our tea and talkers for listening in. We hope you enjoyed today's chat. Um, If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to chat about, reach out at arcwellnessunsw on Insta or email us at uh, wellness at arc.unsw.edu.au. So take care, check in on your mates and reach out if you need support. We'll see you next time for another cup of tea. Thank you.